to another episode of The B-Side. It's a spin-off podcast of The Film Stage Show for The Film Stage website. My name is Dan Mecca, and here we are. It's another episode, another big actor. His name's Brad Pitt, William Bradley Pitt, and I'm here to talk about the Pitt Man with my own Pitt Man, Connor O'Donnell. I don't know what that means, but I'm flattered. Let's call it a compliment. Yeah. So, Brad Pitt. Now, what about him? Who is he? Bradley Pitt, William Bradley Pitt. He is a man who acts in movies. He also produces movies. He's from Springfield, Missouri, Miz- so, Mizzou. Real, real quick. Got a net worth of $240 million, Wikipedia is telling me, as of 2018. Was married to, have you ever heard of this? He was married to this actress named Jennifer Aniston. Oh. Have you heard about this? No. So she was an actress. She was in a show mm-hmm. in the 90s and early aughts was called she Friendly. Friend. Yeah, well, it's called Friends, weirdly enough. Whoa. Was, and this is actually true. You know what you, you know what it was supposed to be called, right? Insomnia Cafe. Insomniac Cafe. Or ins- either one of them. Insomniac God, or so Insomnia. It's one of the Insomnia uh, Cafe. Yeah. Uh, would have been a bad title. And they changed it to Friends. And it is now uh, maybe the biggest prevailing. TV hit ever. I mean, it's like literally Netflix's most watched thing. It's, they paid yeah, it's bajillions a of dollars to keep it streaming on Netflix. I mean, that's an actual quote, <laughs> quoted number, bajillion. They paid a bajillion yeah. dollars for it. Well, you know Netflix and their numbers. It's, it's like, you know, very, very accurate and they report all of it. So, um, yeah, so Brad Pitt turns out married this woman, Jennifer Aniston. Was introduced to her on a blind date by their agent. Is that true? Yeah. Check this out. According to IMDb. Check this out. Um, Could all be fake. He cheated on her. I don't know if... Do you know about this? He cheated on her. Yeah. Okay. So not a lot of people know about this. Cheated on her with this other actress. Do you know Angelina Jolie? No. No, no, no. So she's another actress. Was she the one... um, Dark hair. I'm trying to... To try to go with I this fucked, bit. I was, yeah, I fucked it, it all up. I was, to, I was trying to anyway. sneak in like a girl interrupted pun or something. I, uh, Angie, uh, we all know the story. Um, Mr. And Mrs. Smith. I like Mr. And Mrs. Smith. Not to go on an immediate tangent, but that's the movie they met on, fell in love on. It's kind of cool. You watch them, you know, fall in love on screen. I mean, sad. And, you know, he's a piece of shit for doing that. But they fell in love. Yeah, it's it's a little. I mean, you and I, you and I have talked about this. He he kind of got away. He got away with free. it. And and, and it's, it's weird how how, how how mean we all were to Jennifer Aniston and, and Angelina, and Angelina Jolie. Jolie. Yeah, Angelina, yeah. Uh, and Brad kind of just yeah, like was just sort of back, put his hands up, was like, oh, I'm just gonna let this. Just kind of was like. Yeah, got away. I love that on the B side of his. I we this is what we well, just opened. With. I'm looking <laughs> at his. I'm looking at his Wikipedia. Yeah, that's right. It's right, right, right there. So anyway, um, from Missouri, obviously, um, breakout role in Thelma and Louise, where he plays a. I mean, let me tell you, let me tell you, what a hunk, what a hunk in Thelma and Louise. I he, I don't know if you know if anybody listening, if you guys, I don't know if you know it. Uh, Brad Pitt, uh, notably a fine-looking man. And I think we brought him up in the Charlize Theron episode. You know, arguably an angel on earth. Arguably the type of of good-looking person where it's like, um, why? Yeah. Like how? Yeah, like perfect genes. Because, you know, you have your good-looking, like a George Clooney, I think, as handsome as he is, 
there's a relatability, I suppose, to his thing that helps, right? That adds, it's a value add, right? Like, oh, George Clooney, I feel like he's nice. I know him. Matt Damon, same type of thing. But Brad Pitt, it's like, it's it's like an alien thing. It's like no one looks like him. So this is mean? a weird this is a weird thing. Only and I think and we brought it up with the Charlize episode because it's a similar with Charlize. It's a similar thing. Yeah, and I think well, I, I think like, what like, is this creature with a lot of actors who are very handsome and get their start in a certain way, uh, like by being a sex symbol or something like that. Um, I think he kind of had the same problem. I mean, not arguably, certainly worse because he's a better looking man, but like the same problem that someone like Tom Cruise had kind of where it was like, oh, you're just pretty. Like, and it was just like, yeah, you know, and then, but I like, think Pitt he, had a harder time. Yeah. yeah that's what I was Cause yeah. he's so good looking. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it really did take him just my personal opinion. I think it did take him a while to really come into his own as I would now call him a great actor. I I would not always, I would not say he's always been one, but he, mm. I think has had a really interesting career trajectory and the choices that he's made that have put him on that. that Yeah. And so for this B side, we chose two movies, and it's a little bit of a cheat because I don't even know that either of these are, are to be honest, really B sides. I mean, they are financially speaking, they, eh, they are in as much as like you don't think about. I don't think writ large the public thinks about either of these movies when you think about Brad Pitt, you know, especially now. Um, because look, I mean, yeah, I, I semi agree with what you just said. I think he was always good, uh. Like, because, you know, he's a pretty face in Thelma Louise, but it's a very good performance. I mean, obviously, a thin performance, and it's only a couple of scenes, and he is really there to just basically seduce uh, Gina Davis and then steal all their shit, right? Right. That's the whole performance. Yeah. Um, And... um, so it's it's like... And True Romance is wonderful. Uh, He's playing the pothead... Uh, what is his name in True Romance? Floyd. Floyd, Floyd, Floyd. Yeah. Floyd. Great, great little performance in that movie. But I guess that's my point. He, I think he had range as the character actor he is now becoming to some degree in the year of our Lord 2019. But um, I think where you see him still figuring it out is in movies like Legend of Legends of or Legend of the Fall, Legends of the Fall. For I think it's second, Legends thought, of the Fall. I thought you were going to say Legends of the Hidden Temple, and I just I which I that. wish he was on <laughs> Legends of the Fall, and um, you know movies like that. River runs through it. Early movies. Um, he get he does get a nomination relatively early though for Twelve Monkeys. Well, they kind of like all the. I feel like all those contemp uh, and I say contemporary, not as in now, but cont- they were contemporaries. I think all those movie stars kind of did that, right? Like uh, when we spoke about Denzel Washington, we spoke. I mean, he about- had a good four years in TV and like TV movies before. Just to be clear, yeah, before Thelma, he was on Twenty One Jump Street, was he not? He had. He was on an, an episode, episode of Twenty One Jump, Jump Street, Street yeah, yeah. Uh, which is the only time he ever appeared on screen with Johnny Depp, which is insane to think about, given both of their pedigrees. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, well, it's that movie star thing, though, right? I mean, if you really think about it rarely are there pairings like that, which is why one of the movies we're going to talk about, Spy Game, mm. is kind of interesting in its own way because it's Brad Pitt and Robert Redford together. His counterpart. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, I think when Brad Pitt w- was becoming famous, the immediate comparison 
was, and we talked about this with McConaughey and Paul Newman. Right. The immediate comparison with Pitt was Redford because it was a pretty face, and it took Redford a while to yeah. kind of establish himself as someone who and not could a, act. not even just a pretty face, but like. And we'll get to this in a minute, but like there's a moment where they're looking at each other in Spy Game, like sort of for a minute, and it cuts back, forth, back, forth. And you just think, like, it's just like he's looking in like an aging mirror. Like, yeah, it's I like mean, he, they the look, casting of that movie alone is fascinating. Insane. Yeah, um, 100%. But, and then just to be clear, the other movie we're going to talk about is a personal favorite of mine, which I've been wanting to talk about for a long time, and I'm excited to be talking about it. And that movie is Martin Breast's. Meet Joe Black. Joe Black. Meet. Meet him. Meet him. His name's Joe. We're going to meet him. First name Joe, last uh, name Black. It, uh, but is it though? I think. He's, spoiler alert, he's the Grim Reaper. He's Whoa. death. He's death. Um, it's, no, I, I mean, his career is kind of fascinating. I think, like, I, I think it's w- weird to me. I remember being younger and watching, you know. It's Legends of the Fall. Sorry. Yeah. That's. <laughs> I think I said that. No, you did. You corrected yourself, but that's why I thought you were going to say Legends of the Hidden Temple Um, for some reason. Uh, But basically, it's he's had a weird career because, and not weird, I mean, it all makes sense, but it's like, it's funny because I just remember being younger and him being one of those actors that I watched and thought, I really like that actor. And at the time, people were like, yeah, Brad Pitt, he's not a very good actor. And I remember thinking like, why? Like, why does nobody... Thing. And I, I don't know, you you know, I watch yeah, a little bit of a Keanu thing. You yeah, know. there's um there is a an aloofness, a and a simpletonness. Yeah, for sure. To and, his performance. And I think, and we'll get into Micho Black, I think he kind of got a vacancy. Yeah, I think he got a lot of shit for that performance. Oh. I, I think it's oh, yeah. I think it not think he did get a lot of shit for that performance. Oh, yeah. Uh I I don't think it's an incredible performance, but I think he's certainly making a choice. And right. I think that's, in my mind, that's commendable. Yeah. It's not, it's not an accident. I feel like everything he oh, does no, in no, movie yeah. is it like, and that to me is part of the sign of like, I mean, he's a, he's a good actor. I don't know. He's like, well, you know, even yeah. if it's the wrong choice, he's like making decisions. And let's not forget Martin Brest, who I guess is still in director's jail or has just chosen not to make movies anymore. Um, actually, Matt Patches, a uh, friend of the show, a uh, guy we like, great writer at Thrillist, has a feature that came out a couple of years ago uh, that in which he tries to get an interview with Martin Brest and it's all about what happened to Martin Brest because Martin Brest for those who don't know his filmography basically was running the 80s i mean he yeah. was a he was an he's a-list the, he's director he gave he's us beverly, beverly hills cop yeah. he gave us midnight run which has now has grown in estimation right and is now considered you know basically a masterpiece um the robert de niro um charles grodin movie that so many movies now if, if you were to watch go back and watch it now i mean so many movies still take uh, take from that movie it's it's, yeah. it's quite unbelievable actually um that movie has lasted in the zeitgeist uh, and only continues to grow in estimation and then send of a woman which got pacino his oscar right yeah. in 92 so you know uh, Sin of a Woman has aged, obviously, not as well as Midnight Run or Beverly Hills Cop, but for its time, was a huge hit and got garnered a lot of nominations. I think Chris O'Donnell got nominated, as a matter of fact, but Al Pacino won. Um, and then, you know, he's got a lot of clout, Martin Brest. He makes two somewhat, you know, one more than the other, but two flops in a row, and then he's basically done, and it's Meet Joe Black, and then... Just five short years later, baby, 
Gili. Ugh. The movie Gili. I mean, that's a director's joke. For yeah, well, but way more than Micho Black is. I think. No, of course, and but I guess my point is Martin Brest had a lot of control, and we'll talk about some of that with Micho Black um, as a filmmaker. Chris O'Donnell did not get nominated. He did not get did nominated not, no. for for Son of Woman. He got nominated. He got nominated for Golden Globe. Oh wow! Globe. I really thought he got nominated no, no, for an Oscar. Not an Oscar. Yeah. That's kind of I, no, because then we would have seen Academy Award nominee. Yeah, you're right, Chris you're O'Donnell. Right. Wow, that's uh, crazy. Yeah. My, anyway. bro- my brother, Chris. Yeah, your, bro- yeah. your brother, Chris. We've yeah. talked about it on the show before. Yeah. Um, your talented NCIS starring brother, yeah. Chris O'Donnell. Um, so, Meet Joe Black. Now, I'll jump right into it. So, I love this movie. I said it before. Connor, you do not. A lot of people don't. Uh, totally understand why. It's three hours long. Okay? It's very it, long. It's an adaptation of Death Takes a Holiday. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, basically, the premise, if you do not know it, is that death, death is a thing. Who he he's death, and early on in the picture, um, there's a rich guy, rich business na- rich businessman. His name is William Parrish. Will Parrish for those counting the on the nose things that this movie. Does. Yeah, oh my god. Uh, he uh, he uh, plays uh, is played by Anthony Hopkins. In, in I think an amazingly yeah, Hopkins, uh, very good performance. I think people forget that when they dog on this movie a little bit. That well, Hopkins and I think people dog on Hopkins sometimes because they think he's in you know um, neutral a lot of the times, no, like in his post Silence of the Lambs career. Um, I've pushed back a little bit on that. Like, yes, yes, there's a movie like Bad Company where it's literally like you can see Anthony Hopkins yeah, being yeah, like. Yeah. How many zeros are on that check? Let me just confirm, yeah. Joel Schumacher. Please remind me why I make you know. Yeah. So yes, okay. Um, but I do not think that this is one of these movies. I no, think no, he's this great. performance. I think this performance is a truly an all timer in his canon and um, is worth revisiting. Uh, the movie is worth revisiting for his performance alone. Anyway, Will Parrish. Uh, is um <laughs> now you God. can't get out of I your head. Yeah. Will, William Ferris. Yeah. They call him Bill. They do call him they call Bill, Bill the whole movie to like. He's like a um, you know, he's like uh, you know, he's like a uh, you know, a power broker, you know, yeah. a businessman, and a media, he, he's like a media mogul basically. Exactly. He runs a communications. Company. It's the week before his sixty fifth birthday, and his one daughter, I believe her name is Allison, mm. Marsha Gay Harden, is planning. A huge Hudson Riverside bash yeah. uh, for his 65th birthday, and his other daughter, who he loves more, and yeah. the movie—you know—some of the best parts of the movie it, it kind of actually uh, revolve around that kind of Shakespearean yeah, King yeah. Leary thing. Yeah. Claire Forlani plays the daughter he loves, um, and her name is Susan. Susan, thank yeah. you. Um, is just like you know. Uh, you know, just the apple of his eye. Yeah. And so, um, Susan meets a young man at a coffee shop, and that is what he is credited as yeah. in the movie, young man at the coffee shop. Yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt, Bradley Pitt, who is having a very long and rude, by the way, conversation in that diner. Yeah. It's, which, whatever. We'll but get to that in a second. He, but. They have meet cute at a diner. And I will say, I love this meet cute. I really do. They're at a diner. It's, they're, everything's, they're in New York City. Uh, they're in Manhattan. He just moved. He's having a cup of coffee. She's having a cup of coffee. She's a doctor. It's before her shift. 
and they just have a cup of coffee and they chat. Yeah. And they get to know well, each he, other. And he, I, there's that nice moment where he. It is a great meet cute. And he's it is so charming the, in this scene. Yeah, and the, I really. I, I was gonna say they're outside. And you of, can tell Martin outside of the is so relying on this. Scene. Yeah, no, no, no. It's. I mean, and well, I'll I'll bring this up repeatedly, but like the movie leans so hard on this on one this scene. scene yeah it is and like, it's it is the kickstand that keeps this bike from falling over and, and for those nuts. who don't like it like and i get why um and we'll go through all the reasons it is a um confident choice yeah i mean no it's crazy and like for better you know and worse yeah and and he uh pit in the scene is uh, is great. It he's is, new to the city. He's looking at apartments. He just got a job. He just got he's a job. He's wearing a suit that feels... It's one but of those it like things, doesn't fit him. Yeah, it doesn't fit. And it's funny because it's like, I couldn't tell if the suit didn't fit or 90s. Right? Like, I couldn't tell if like that was it's just... It's a great point. There were boxier suits boxy back suits then. Boxy suits that like... I mean, he's, well he looks good, but I think... I mean, every part of this movie His is so... Mid- is Well... Every part of this movie, but that's '90s though. No, right? But yeah. he, it's like that's he like almost he has was, like a Rachel. That's like when he was with Gwyneth. He's almost Paltrow. got like his own little Rachel. <laughs> he invented the Rachel. <laughs> um, him, him and Gwyneth, I think may, maybe were still together, and they had just the same haircut. Yeah, and were the most beautiful couple who ever existed. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. That couple. Um, so they meet, they fall in love. Susan Claire Ferlani and man at the coffee shop, Brad Pitt, and then. They are walking in separate directions, and they keep looking back at each other, but they are not looking back at the same time. Yeah. So it's this uh, they Thomas it. Thomas Newman score, one of the best movie scores yeah. ever written. Don't at me. It is no, it's not an opinion. It's it, a fact. <laughs> it's an amazing it, score. Uh, it is the score is swelling. It is a terrific example, I think, of just one of those movies where the score does so much heavy lifting. Yeah, this and not in a bad way. I think I think in an effective is, way. It really does elevate Let me just the say this. Okay, Thomas Newman is my favorite composer. One of his song one of his songs was My Wedding Song. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. He has never won an Oscar and that is a fucking crime. And I can't even overstate how mad it makes me when I was looking up this movie and I looked him up and I was like, oh, what did he win his Oscar for? And I was like, oh, he's never yeah, won. He's been nominated. He's like the yeah. deacons of composers. He kind of he's been is. nominated like 12 That's a really times. good comparison. And Thomas Newman is from uh, the Newman family. If you look them up, there's a, it's like a lineage of great uh, movie composers. Anyway, the music is swelling. They're Me looking back. Joe they're looking Brett back. They're looking back. He's a really nice guy in a coffee shop. Too bad. Soon he's going to die. <laughs> then he becomes dead. It's a great song. Oscar worthy, somehow didn't get nominated. Anyway, Randy they're, they're back and forth, back and forth, looking, looking, looking. Uh, Bradley Pitt turns around in the middle of a New York City street like a fucking idiot. And she turns the corner so they don't like, they don't exchange numbers, right? That's like part no, of it. Not, it's no, like this it. spark of a moment and they don't She doesn't do even get his name. It. Well, clearly, young man at the coffee shop. And while well, that he's, was his. That's his legal name. name. Youngman at the coffee coffee shop. Yeah. He, um, whilst looking for her, she turns the corner. He's sad. He gets clipped by a car, turns around, and gets fucking wrecked by a bus in a scene that is. And I've seen this movie conservatively 25 times. (laughs) I love this movie. I own it. How many hours is that? I love this movie. I love this movie. Yeah. I love, love, love this movie. Dan has spent three days, over three days of his life watching Hey, some people rewatch the Lord of the Rings movies, okay? That's 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 a good point. It's a fair point. That's a fair point. And Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. Um, (laughs) 
my my boys, my boys yeah. Tommy and Bradley. Um, he gets just crushed Rucked, by wrecked. a bus or something. Yeah. It's br- and then it's like a double hit. It's like he gets hit and no, then he gets yeah. hit. It's like one of those things that he you know movies do tap-taps. sometimes. But it's what's funny. It, it's I mean it's a great moment. Well, it's you, shocking. No, it's amazing. I mean, because if you weren't. I, I, and like, first time I saw this movie, my older sister introduced me to it, right? But didn't like tell me fully what the movie was about, right? So all she told me was about was that, like, oh, it's about death and he falls in love with a woman, right? Which is what it's about, but that beginning. No, no, but that's all she told me. And so I remember watching it. I was, I don't know, maybe like 12 or something the first time I was watching it. Yeah, sure, sure. And like, I remember the first time I was watching it thinking like, oh, is it then going to be like a love triangle between this guy that she's clearly in love with and then death, and, death right. and this woman? Like, that's interesting. Well, look. And then yeah. he just, it's like the thing that movies do, but they only seem to ever reserve it for like movie villains where it's like he gets hit by one car. And then you're like, look, just in case you weren't positive, he's, he's 100% dead. dead. Right. Another car, he yeah, immediately gets him. hit by another car. Yeah, and, and it's, it's like insane. it's 1998 CGI. It's kind of funny. To it watch. doesn't really age well, but it's still, yeah, but it's effective. it's goofy, it's still effective. but it's still effective. Yeah. So anyway, he dies obviously, yeah. and she doesn't know this because she turned the corner. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Death, who is coming for William Parrish, mm-hmm. takes the body of the young man at the coffee, coffee shop. shop. Yeah. So. Nary a day later, okay, while Bill Parrish and Susan and Allison and Allison's husband, Jeffrey Tambor, and Susan's um, boyfriend, Drew, right, who is who's in, Jake who's, Weber, Jake Weber, who's in business with uh, Anthony Hopkins and Jeffrey Tambor. Jeffrey Tambor is so great in this movie. Yeah. And I know we feel all the support. I know Jeffrey Tambor is yeah. getting a, you know, in the, it did, you know, stuff is going on with him yeah. these days. Uh, he's. I love him. In I, I would he's equate so, it. I would equate it to so watching lovely. like an. Uh, and not to veer too much in this, but I would equate it to kind of watching like an earlier Kevin Spacey performance, where you're wow. watching it and you're like, you're a fucking monster. And it's. I mean, Kev, it's. I, I, we don't need to get too deep. I don't no. know that Jeffrey Tambor's out of Kevin Spacey. No, 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 no. But, the, but it was the same feeling. Like I was like, oh, you were. I did really it, like. Yeah, you, it's, it was, surely like, it's, yeah, it's surely like it's surely just disappointing, no, right? But no. fuck him, whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's a great performance. Anyway. They're having dinner. It might even be the same day, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, someone knocks on the door, literally. And Anthony Hopkins opens it. And just to be clear, Anthony Hopkins has been hearing voices, so he has an awareness of of his yeah. something is going on that's supernatural yeah. to some degree. Opens the door. It's Brad Pitt. He also has a, a heart attack. I guess in the, so, in the right? Inter- in the de- basically, the movie starts- He has starts, some sort of heart They condition. all kind of- Yeah, they all kind of- Oh, God. Oh, um, <laughs> That will make call back. Call back to another episode. episode yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, no, the, uh, basically, the, I mean, the movie starts. They all go about their day, and like while the meet cute is happening, Bill Parrish is at work. Is dealing with and stuff. He, and he yeah, and the whole kind of and like it's kind of like a pretty woman, you know, thing or whatever. Where you know the other part of this plot is this mechanical, you know. Uh, Bill Parrish is kind of at the end of his tenure with his company and he's about to do a huge merger with this other, um, you know, magnate. Yeah, yeah. And Jake Weber, uh, Drew, who's with Susan, is like really pushing for the merger to happen. Yeah. And I wonder if he has any nefarious plans. Right, wink, wink, right, right. right. He's like such thing. an obvious... It's like villain, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's not... He's um, Jake Weber. Oh, yeah, what do we think of him in this uh, movie? I think he's... Good as a foil, and obviously he's cast and 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 his performance is cut in a way 
to really dweeb him up. I'm going to correct you that none of the performances in this movie they were cut. cut. That's yeah, why they used every day. Yeah, 180 <laughs> minutes. Um, oh my God. Uh, I love every minute of it. So um, anyway, Brad Pitt shows up. Brad Pitt tells Anthony Hopkins, and this is kind of your somewhat traditional death takes a holiday scene. Anthony Hopkins, you're going to die. I am death. I'm here to take you with me. And there's a nice visual. And this is the thing about, this is like, and I'll, you know, the thing about this movie, I, I don't love it, but there are really nice touches and really, you know, tucked in with some bad moments. It oscillates between some of those bad moments and like really extraordinary moments. You know who lends this movie? Emmanuel Lubezki. Yeah, makes sense. One, it makes and sense. truly and one a, of the more beautiful movies I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful movie. Um, the but but to, to that point, uh, this scene's kind of cool because he meets him like in his private library yes, or whatever yes, it yes, is, yes. and he is introduced initially only speaking in Anthony Hopkins's inner voice, right? Uh, but obscured by glass, and when we see the young man at the coffee shop for the first time, he is taking a very loud phone call behind, yes. like fog. Glass well, yeah, I mean, formally, like a cool little, yeah, yeah, formally, there's a million really cool things in this movie, um, and. And an obvious, literally a million, and and <laughs> and an obvious epic. Um, I think you know. So just to get through the basic plot, right before I talk about the epic thing, Claire Ferlani obviously is like, "Hey, dude, from the coffee shop, I, we had a really good time, but this is weird. Why are you at my house?" And then it's kind of it's it's basically, um, it's basically intimated and then assumed and then confirmed. That this guy is some part of Bill Parrish's life yeah. that has something to do with this merger, and everybody's just like, "Who's this guy?" And they're like, uh, "Joe Black," and they just make up a name. Yeah. And basically, what happens is, as Joe Black, who is Death, who is Brad Pitt, um, becomes ingrained in this Parrish family, he has a curious fascination, love, if you want to call it that, though. Obviously, it's not really love because he's death. And the movie's partially about that, right? With yeah. Claire Ferlani. So he makes a deal of some degree with Anthony Hopkins to give him a few more days, right? As we are anticipating this merger and this party and what have you. So that's the plot of the movie, right? That's what the movie's about. Now, this movie obviously fancies itself and Breast fancies this a romantic epic in every single way, yeah, yeah. which is to say it's very handsomely made. The production design is impeccable. The score is um, amazing. The score is amazing. Yeah. And it is three hours long for a reason. Now, Martin Breast had final cut on this movie. Okay. When he cut it together, he gave it to, I think, an objective editor, like an editor friend or the studio gave it to an editor and they and the editor was basically like you got to cut an hour out of this movie this is interminable right yeah. this is insane this and is, the big that was the big this is it was their big christmas the well yeah and it was and it was a big christmas release yep. it was a big big release it was Brad Pitt right in his sweet spot it's Anthony Hopkins only years after an oscar right Anthony Hopkins is leading movies this is a big pairing Brad Pitt and Anthony yeah, Hopkins yeah. you know Claire Ferlani was on the up right um, and the studio, just for reference, that produced this was Universal. universal. So it was a big yeah. Universal Christmas release. Right? It was, you know, Thanksgiving release technically, but the Christmas season, holiday season, holiday right. season release. Right? Budget was? Can you guess? Do you know? Uh, it's the, insane. The budget was of this movie of budget. this movie, Micho Black, which is a it literally takes place 
in like in a house basically in Austin-ing, in right like yeah. you know like yeah. poughkeepsie uh, actually right it yeah. takes place literally like where i'm from yeah right like it was in, shot in, in, in rhode island though right yeah Right. Uh, at the Albrecht Mansion. Can you guess how much this costs? $90 million. It costs $90 yeah. fucking million. Yeah, $90 dollars. Million now dollars. look, this is the 90s. So Anthony, Tony, it Tony, million? Tony, <laughs> yeah, it's $90 million. Oh, yeah. fuck. There was okay. a guess? I, thought I know, you, I, thought I was know. actually, I, in full oh, disclosure, literally $90 my computer screen oh, is black you know. right now. Oh, I thought, oh my God. <laughs> do I get some I kind of a I would have celebrated that more. Do I, wait, do I get to meet Joe, Joe Black? Yeah, you do. He's he's here. And it's this guy. Actually, I mean, and won't, boom, we, boom, won't we all meet, meet Joe, Black. Joe Black someday? That's the whole <laughs> movie's about, dude. Whoa. That's the, the best part. The last 15 minutes is all about that. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Uh, we're all meeting Joe Black. <laughs> but so, the movie... So, yeah. So, so um, he... This editor has his opinion, which obviously is the right opinion in as much as this is largely how the public felt when the movie yeah. came out. But Martin Brest... At this time, a very powerful filmmaker who had control said, no, thanks. Fuck you. This movie's three hours, and I'm going to keep it three hours. Now, he okay. wanted to make a David Lean movie. And I would argue that he did. Okay? I, I think this movie is basically a masterpiece. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh, this is going to be fun. Now, now... I, and we've had conversations off mic about this over our years of friendship. Yeah. Here is the thing. I think because the movie is three hours is why it's masterpiece. Now, do I also admit that if you cut it down to two, does it make a little bit more money? So just to, just for reference point made about 45 million, um, uh, domestically. Domestically, And I think all told made 140 or so worldwide. So, not like the biggest bomb in the world, but I think critically and actually, and there's a lot of promotion, certainly didn't make anybody any money is yeah. the point. Now. Maybe people broke it's even not, with it or something. Like you said yeah. before, it's not Geely, right? It's not yeah. like a nuclear bomb. It's just like a severe disappointment. And it's a severe disappointment of this guy, Martin Brest, who's coming off just like home run after home run. Even Midnight Run wasn't a big box office success, but it didn't cost a lot, so it did okay, and it was beloved, and right? So it's like, it. yeah, yeah, exactly. you know, now you're coming into the place where he's everybody basically does not like this movie it's just basically bored by it i mean that's yeah. basically what it is and everybody is like why is brad pitt playing death yeah. this doesn't this casting feels weird yeah that's the so i will admit if it's two hours long it probably does better i think the genius of the movie and the martin breastness of the movie is that it's three hours i is love an every minute yeah. of this languid can, long crazy movie. i can certainly I I get that. I think though it's there are that's a different story I think if everything in the movie is um is firing on all cylinders. Right. You know? Yeah. Um but I just think he's a little out of a little out of his depth. Right, like oh, the ego here. Yeah, it's is insa- it is untenable. Insane. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's like it is like a Heaven's Gate level, you know, insane. Oh yeah, and it's oh yeah. This movie's not as good as Heaven's Gate, and it's not even well, as big of a debacle. As, no, certainly uh, not as Heaven's Gate. I mean, so nobody, not, you know, Universal exists. But right, <laughs> right. Know? It's so it's not that crazy, but uh, it's sort of similar. You know, I don't know that they were ever gonna like fall apart because right. of fucking, you know, yeah. And, but I will say, like, there is a level of, um, I, I just think because of the missing pieces, 
I, I think the only way you counteract that is, is you make the movie a little leaner um, and not like David leaner, right? Like he like, yeah. he like went the long I mean, look, way, like, yeah, forgive uh, me for that horrible pun. But no, like, no, no. I mean, look, you're, you're right. Um, like I said, you are right. But I guess where I come down on it is I just think the sheer scope, size and scale of this picture for what it is, is so fascinating to me. And sure. I guess I can never get past that when I watch it. And that's why I love it. Um, from a movie, like because, from a people who because love the it's way a movies romance. are made. Yeah, I mean, it's literally a movie wherein death takes the form of a young man and the whole plot is him like discovering humanity through this doctor, Claire Ferlani, her patients, and this great man, right? Yeah. Bill Parrish, this great man. Yeah, what's a little weird about the uh, about the Bill Parrish thing, uh, when I was rewatching it, I was thinking this is, and I guess to your point, it's more of the, it's more, the movie is more of about the romance, um, but it is also so much about him as a person, Bill Parrish, like he... Yeah, it's a truly it's, Anthony. Yeah, once like, again, yeah, they're co-leads. Like it's very much, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it's not Brad Pitt's movie really fully. Like Hopkins is the other leg on which this movie stands, and I think it's the reason that this movie is way better than I believe people remember it to be. Um, yeah, and like just to you know, Hopkins. We get to the 65th birthday party, and Hopkins has a little speech at the end of this movie yeah. that I I will just and it's rewatch. Yeah, and it's delivered like, for fun. It's delivered wonderfully like for a, for, a, I, for a good cry. What I think is kind of smart and really quick. Uh, I don't know how many people listen to this, have watched or watch Westworld, um, but the end of the first season of Westworld, I think, does a very knowing. Uh, reference. I would be curious. It feels it feels so, a lot like it. it feels, but I would be if Jonah Nolan. Yeah, know, I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. It but does feel a lot like it's it. very similar. It feels a lot like it, and it's it's like the demented version of of that. One hundred percent. But it's kind of funny. I'm just. I yeah, that's an interesting. I did I had of, not even thought about it, but you're a, totally right. It's like a cool little. Yeah, thing. it's you're but, totally right. Um, and it's I I remember watching that scene in Westworld and thinking like oh this is nice because nobody fucking remembers this movie <laughs> um so it's nice that somebody did yeah. but I think um you know and I think their chemistry is good too I think yeah Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins chemistry yeah, is good th- Brad Pitt and Claire Forlani's chemistry it's not it's not great they, well it's great in the coffee mm. shop scene but it's also because and, and like well, the weird well, dynamics we should talk about of this whole thing I'm, yeah I'm getting there like it's it. The romance, I think that's the other weird part of this movie. And you know what this, uh, not to sidetrack, but what this movie reminded me a lot of was uh, Age of Adeline more recently. Right, I right. feel like they're very similar movies. But I, Age of Adeline, I, I a bit to, more accessible. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's shorter. And I, <laughs> and I kind of go to bat for that movie a little bit, but not to go too deep into that. Like it, that movie similarly has very kind of strange dynamics going on. Um, yeah, a little bit more but explainable. Yeah, 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 right, <laughs> yeah. palpable. And uh, this movie, it's way tougher. And Well, uh, because she, look, she, I mean, look, she has sex with death. with And, and with a dead body, let's and, be clear. Yeah. Like, he takes the dead yeah, yeah. He coffee guy's has body. Sex, she has sex with, with death and doesn't know it's death. Right, you know, so it's, in this day and age, you can construe so, that as a sex crime. Here's no, no, but here's the other thing. There's a whole nother, like, there's yeah, a whole nother so side to the movie. That's the whole thing. In there's this a movie. whole nother side to the movie that also feels weird, right? Because their relationship, 
like we said, leans so heavily on that first meet cute, which is a great meet cute. Um, but he is so aloof. Like, let's just imagine this movie's not about death, right? Let's take that whole thing. It's just out about of it. the man in the coffee shop, right? And, and then she gets to Susan. really know that man, and maybe that man is like on the spectrum. Yeah, see, or I like, don't know. It, I this is where I don't agree with you because I but you know what I'm talking I know about. What you're like he plays the rest about. of the movie. He's so vacant and socially awkward, and like. It's it's kind of so, strange. Can like, I tell you? Here's my defense of the of this weird. You know, she has sex with a dead body, death thing. And this is maybe an overreach, but I'm gonna, you know, give me a hill. I'm gonna die on this hill. <laughs> <laughs> I um I think we're meant to somewhat think or know that she knows it's not him. I, I think what the movie is at least trying to do, and I think, and like I said, I watch it many times, um, and I, um, I fully might be giving this way too much credit, Martin, Martin Bress way too much credit. I think there's meant to be a thing in the Susan Claire Ferlani performance that suggests that she, though he never says to her, hey, FYI, I'm not the young man at the coffee shop. I'm death. I'm, gonna, I'm killing your father in a day. <laughs> There's this idea that she's aware of, of of what's happening to some degree, so that like the scene that happens, the sex scene, and any of the love scenes, there is an an, an awareness that maybe is not said, but rather, you know, um, intimated. So, so if you, but if you want a bit if, of a stretch, yes, exactly, because I, I think because I think the flip side of that scene, out of the context of the sort of magical realism of this movie or whatever. Um, is that she's like maybe take advantage of someone? Like, do you know what I mean? Because it's like or she that she's yeah, taking advantage. Yeah, of Yeah, like, and not to say you know I don't. Well, because just to be clear, and this is a big part of the criticism of Brad Pitt uh, when this movie came out. So he he plays the character of death very like like a simple person. Yeah, yeah. Right? And like, it's not it's not like, like a like, Rain Man thing. Well, but, but it's it, close, it right? Because it's like, like there could, are things where like he. Uh, like there's a running thing about how he loves peanut butter. Right. Right. So obviously there's an idea that he's a child. It reminded me he's a like lot. He's like a child. It reminded right? me That's a lot idea. of being there when I was rewatching it. There's a clear through line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's, there's a Peter cell, like he's yeah. thinking pit. And I will say this, about. and this is kind of what I was saying before. I think he kind of gets too much shit for the performance. Yeah, I think it's kind of it's, inspired actually. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. It's, I don't think it's like amazing. And I don't think it's even in like the top half of his best performances, but I do think he's clearly making a choice yeah. and it's, none of it happens by accident. Like, it's, it's also, very context is important because it's in, because it is important to remember. This is also right after his two, arguably worse, like just in the culture, right. his two worst performances, right? So he gets nominated in 12 Monkeys playing a crazy person, right? That's, yeah. I mean, which I don't even really love. I'm not a huge fan of that perform- yeah, yeah. performance. There's a lot of defenders of it. It's just, you know, and I think another criticism even now of Brad Pitt is like when he when he goes there, he, go- he goes way over the top. So, I, I, you know, like even like Burn After Reading, that's the point. Yeah. I think some people love that performance. Some people don't. I don't love that performance either. I do, honest. but I feel like it belongs in that movie. Right. Yeah. A little bit more. Yeah. 12 Monkeys, he's like literally in another movie. Um, he gets nominated and then he follows it up with Seven Years in Tibet, where he's doing a, a not great German accent or Austrian, Which we could, Austrian like accent. We could feasibly include this, that, and a yeah. B-side, but it's just so boring. It's like so. I kind of, 
Seven Years of the Bits weirdly like this movie, Micho Black, where it's 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 I think a little overhated, very beautiful. Another all timer score, by the way, with John Williams and yeah. Yo Yo Ma. Yeah. My God. My don't even watch the movie, Spotify the score. Unbelievable. Um, but yeah, kind of a kind of a snooze, and he's doing a bad Austrian accent, what have you. And then Devil's Own, where he's yeah. doing a pretty bad Irish, Irish accent. accent. So when you think about that context to follow those two movies where he's being actively criticized for trying to be serious yeah. and not succeeding in, mm-hmm. you know, by the public's perception and then do a movie where he is basically playing death, discovering a body and humanity and playing it like a child. It does feel like the period at the end of a sentence. That's like, wow, Brad Pitt's a terrible actor. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no. So I think now when you 20, 20 years later, watching it outside of this world where it's the third of these movies, you're like, oh, I see what he's doing here. No, he's making he's making a choice. Yeah. And I think, uh, as we said, I think his chemistry with Hopkins is really good. Um, I just think that the big thing with the... Because, you know, if you want to sell the romance in this movie, right? And, 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 and correct, you know, for those, for the people who hate the performance, right? Right. The way to change the movie is Brad Pitt maybe plays it a little more like the devil, like, but like a, you know, like a, a kind like of a little like more a, sinister, a, cat, a little bit of like yeah. a, a, with a little bit more charisma and a little bit more charm, like a sort of just a, a metaphysical being who's bored and just wants to have some fun. Right. Give him some personality. Yep. Then it makes way more sense that Claire Furlani becomes enamored. The, the yeah, thing but, that helps yeah. And but this, I feel like it sucks for her, right? And uh, when I was watching this, rewatching this rather, with my girlfriend, she pointed it out. She was like, "The only reason this makes sense is because this girl, this poor woman, is just like, it feels like she'll take any, like she's just starving well, for she's, attention." And that's the like, movie does a reasonably good job of establishing that she's a bit of a lost soul, right? She doesn't want to be with this guy Drew. Right. It's kind of it's like we horrible. said, so yeah. clearly like twisting his evil mustache, and then yeah. obviously, basically, he you learn spoilers, whatever you learn that he's an inside man for the other company. the other company, yeah. and his whole point was to basically um, dissolve Parish Enterprises, yeah. as it were, Parish Communications, yeah, from the inside, the right? Is, so point is. That's realized. And then in the climax of this business part of the movie, um, it's kind of, and I love this part, actually. There's this whole thing where (laughs) um, Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins formulate this plan where it's revealed that Brad Pitt is an IRS agent who went undercover to expose Drew, who's Jake Weber, and has, I love this line, people might roll their eyes, but... Um, Jake Weber is has been caught and thinks he's been caught, and this whole vote of no confidence gets unvoted. And yeah, they Hopkins, have the they basically have the board on speaker. Phone yeah, Tony Hopkins gets his company back, and um, Jake Weber looks at um, Brad Pitt and goes, "Who would have believed it? You, an IRS agent, death and taxes." It feels winking. It it, feels funny. When you're watching it as like a human drama, like (laughs) like the scene in which Jake Weber initially is like, hey, while we're all here, can you, would you mind telling us who Who the fuck you are? Yeah. And it is. And he's a piece of shit in the movie, but I was watching it. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Somebody say something. He's totally right. And it's insane. And let's be clear. 
the people in this movie do not act like humans act. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's a, a hyper yeah. thing. You know, so they they do the death and taxes thing. They do the callback to it. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, Jake Weber is at a loss. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, what do I get for doing this? And Anthony Hopkins is like, you get to stay out of jail, right? And all that. And uh, Hopkins is also, just to give it some context, he is doing this basically at the 11th hour, both for the murder. Yeah, it's like a Godfather thing. Yeah. It's like he's doing it while the party is going right. on. And, he, and he's doing it at the 11th hour, both for the merger, because the whole thing is he was going to get kicked out of the company on his after, oh, like after his 65th exactly. birthday. Yeah. So he's doing it right when he can and also at his 11th hour, because basically... He, yeah, he's saving his right, legacy yeah, right before yeah, he dies. Right before he dies. And whilst this has happened, Brad Pitt has basically, within the span of the party, that's the other crazy thing about, and uh, runtime aside, um, it like it, it is a true third act in terms of like the movie's three hours, two hours go by, and the last hour. Yeah, the last the like, 50 minutes of the movie yeah. are, the, are the party. And, um, and basically, you know, they kind of do this thing where in the span of that party, almost as if it's like real time, kind of. Oh, yeah. Um, it it feels, I mean, and I, though I love it, it feels like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, And he basically says to Claire Forlani, hey, I've got to go, right? I've got to leave. Yeah. Um, and then she's like, don't. And then he's Don't like, go. okay, maybe yeah. I won't. And then he goes, meets with Hopkins. Right. And I think that's the other thing about this movie. Like he meets with Hopkins. He basically says... I'm taking your daughter with me. Yeah, I'm like, taking I'm her to fucking hell. Like, yeah, like where? hell, hell, like, like just the netherworld. Like what? The just the it kind of beyond. would be a dope movie. <laughs> you're like, where do you? Take yeah, no, it's 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 a little nuts. But basically, he kind of it's like a Hades Persephone type thing. It's like he's like, I'm gonna, she's just gonna yeah. be my bride or whatever, right? And and basically, but, but of course, we know he's become more human. Yeah, because so Hopkins essentially okay. appeals to him, and he's like, hey, look. appeals to his better angels. Yeah, he's he's like. Literally. Come on, fuck you. No. Like, yeah, weird line of dialogue like in this movie. Yeah, yeah, fuck you. Come on, fuck you. It's a little, it's the <laughs> worst on, part Come on, come on, come yeah. <laughs> on. But basically, uh, so he he says, no, I'm going to do it. And then he goes back. It's this weird back and forth. And the movie does this a couple times with it. There are like multiple, seven endings in this movie. Yeah, and they're not just with the ending, but even with like the dinner table scenes, they happen in this sort of ping pong fashion the movie, uh, to your point about the budget before, like, I mean, aside from being set in like a mansion and shit, like it's the same seven sets. Oh yeah. You know, like it's the same. Oh yeah. It's so it's a little nutty. Like, I mean, and like, you got to think a significant portion of this budget was on the party. Cause they throw the party. Yeah. No, no, no. It's crazy. I mean, the last and, shot of this movie is one of the coolest, most beautiful last shots I've ever great. seen. It's they great. walk to the fireworks, party. There's a million fireworks and they, I mean, they got permission from, I think, the city of Poughkeepsie yeah. to f- to sh- fire all those fireworks. Yeah. I mean, it is all happening. It's almost like if Boz Lerman did that opening Great Gatsby party, but for real. Like it's, it's a lot like yeah, that. It's it's but it's, yeah. so it, it is nuts when you put it in that context. But basically, what's weird though, and I think this what what makes this movie drag is is the thing of all the same settings in similar scenes that are slightly getting the plot and or the characters along. It's a little weird. It's like, Oh wait, do we need another scene with them sitting at the dinner table? Yeah. And it's like, Oh, they're in the boardroom again. And then, Oh, they're at the dinner table again. And so the third act is weird because it's like, Joe meets with Hopkins. He's like, I'm, uh, you know, 
I'm going to take your daughter with me. Joe meets with Claire Forlani, or, you know, after already meeting with Claire Forlani. Then he goes back to Hopkins. He's like, no, nah, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Like he has a, it with, so within the span of 45 minutes, death has a change of heart. Right. Yep. And it, it's like, it's, it's a little weird. It's, it's like edited weird. It's paced weird. Um, but I do think to the movie's credit, even though it kind of like limps along on their lack of chemistry, Claire Forlani's and uh, Brad Pitt's, and uh, some of these weird character dynamics, I do basically love all the tying up that the movie does once Hopkins has like is like I'm gonna die. Like he has that really amazing scene with Marsha Gay Harden, who gives, albeit the character's kind of one dimensional. I think she gives a pretty good performance. What an amazing actress! Yeah, she's yeah. phenomenal and yeah, um, a national treasure. Yeah. Book of Secrets, no doubt. <laughs> um, and they have this great scene where she's basically like. I know I wasn't your favorite, but it's okay. And I know that you loved me and that's right. enough. And it's a really wonderful scene and they both crush it. And, you know, Hopkins has his final scene with Claire Forlani and it's wonderful. And it's, they're, 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 well, and that's what I mean. In that scene, she like, that's kind of what I mean about the Forlani kind of character performance, Susan character. She, I feel like she a little bit knows what's going on. Like she knows he's going to die and I think he, she a little bit knows that Brad Pitt's the one who is doing that. No, well, in that scene especially, what's nice about it is they never, you know, they never, they never replicate the Anthony Hopkins scene where Hopkins is like your death, like he says it right. And what's nice is Brad Pitt in so many just kind of he does sort of this magical touch thing almost. Uh, that you see him do to like patients and this one patient in the hospital. I, I'll get to that in two seconds. It's the worst part of the movie. Um, but he does this kind of like he gets close to Claire Forlani and he, she realizes, right. And it's a wonderful moment because they never need to say it. And she basically said, you know, she, he's like, who am I say it? And she goes, you're Joe. And it's sort of that she's like lying to herself. And, but she knows like she at that moment knows exactly who he is knows exactly what he's yeah. there for. And I mean, I don't think her performance is really good by any means in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but I will say the, the one, that one moment's kind of nice because she does do a, you know, a nice little thing where you see her go through all the things in her head on her face. And Claire, Claire for Lonnie, she's one of those people who I think as she got older has gotten better. She's, I, I haven't seen her in much recently, but she has a nice performance in that movie, Hallam Foe. Mm, uh, I think in the States it was released as Mr. Foe, but it's a Jamie Bell movie. Um, so I think she got better. She got a little older. She's also, I think, in Green Street Hooligans. Yeah. I'm if anybody remember that, remember that yeah, movie? Green yeah. Street Hooligans, Young Charlie Hunnam. I feel like most people... She Talk about the rats. scene you hate and we'll move yeah, on. Yeah, I just... I, I can't... Yeah, yeah. We can... I don't, I don't think I agree with you. We can get off this real quick. I, which I, just, I think I, I'm in the I minority wanted, here. But. I wanted to talk about it because I totally forgot about it. And when rewatching this movie... I was like, oh yeah, holy, what is it? What is just Creole, don't even do right? it? Just don't even. What is? What is it? It's. I mean, it's definitely. It's like Jamaican. It's like a heavy, yeah. thick Jamaican accent. It's like at accent. the hospital. Yeah, he goes he to the goes hospital to see, see Claire Forlani, yeah. and I get the. It's a wonderful mechanic, I think. Of I how do like we? This scene. I, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I have no problem with the idea of the scene, right? Um, <laughs> but he basically, there is a Jamaica, a young Jamaican woman and her dying mother, mother. right? Uh, elderly mother. And 
the idea being actually that this woman should die immediately. Well, and because she has like a monstrous now, tumor. Now finish your thought, and I'm going to tell but, you my actual my problem, actual problem okay. mechanically. With sure, the sure, scene, sure. But, we'll go, but we'll, go ahead. Yeah. Um, but basically, he goes up to her. And in front of Claire Furlani, starts talking in like this thick Jamaican accent back to her. Obia, no, Mama. Obia, man. I'm going to die. Mama, stop it. It's just a man. What's Obia? Bad spirit. She just thought fever. She don't mean nothing. Please help us. Of course. No, Obia, sister. No devil, no dopey. Everything going to be iry. Uh, it's like an earnest version of the jive scene from Airplane. Like it's, yeah, but, <laughs> but hang on, context- but, but it's, but hang on, hang on. And he does it to comfort the woman. Yeah. And it, no, no, but I, but what's stupid about it. And granted, this is also like a mid nineties problematic thing that probably wouldn't happen in a movie today probably where not. they do make it now. Cause the way you do it now to achieve the same effect is like make the woman like, Make the woman be speaking, you know, even just keep it simple. Keep it like she's a Japanese woman and she's speaking Japanese. Something that it would strike you a little bit if this random, handsome Aryan man was suddenly fluent in Japanese, right? Because that's like from from the high concept part part of it, that's the whole point, right? Is that he... You're just saying it's uncomfortable because he's like putting on an accent. Yeah, and it's just, it feels... feels I think, you know, it it does... Maybe I'm being Though the context of the movie is that this is not a human, right? So, you know, that's why I don't really have a problem with it. so maybe I'm being a little baby about it. I understand. But But here's the thing. So, he calms her down. It's very kind of goofy, I'm sure. Um, Though I, I really like it. No, no, it's, I mean, um, it's nice, and it's a nice way to humanize my, him. And my I thing that always bums me out a little bit about the movie is, though it be an epic romance, the whole thing with Death, Death Takes a Holiday, the story is Death Takes a Holiday, so people dies. aren't dying, and that becomes a problem, obviously. Yeah. So the only time they build that into the world is when he goes back to the hospital and has a actually really good, nice conversation no, it's a good scene. Yeah. with this older woman who is not dying and she knows and she's in pain. She knows that she's not dying because she knows that he is death, right? And it's this nice moment where like, you know, a wise older person, like she's aware of what this is and she's also aware that like him being there in that body is preventing her from, you know, go passing on the way that she's supposed to be. And you, it bothers me because it's literally a moment that hints at this bigger story yeah. where the people are not dying in the world. Yeah. And they don't ever expand on that. Yeah. And obviously, it's a creative choice to, f- to focus instead on this family and these people. But every time I watch the movie, I'm kind of like, oh, that was, that was a, an important choice and I would wonder how people would think of the movie if they expanded that now it's a three hour long movie so I don't you know it's if you're expanding that part that has to to contract other stuff so you know I suppose that's the thing he just chose to make one story instead of the other which I think is fine I think though what's what's a little weird is you mentioned earlier so this movie takes place in a week I think it does, right? I think it takes place okay, in like a few days. But that's important to what we're talking about right now because I was trying to figure it out when I was rewatching this. I was like, is it two months? No, is I think it? it's I think it's meant and, to be like a, a handful of days. And my girlfriend and I were ta- had the kind of a the whole to trying to figure it out discussion of what like 
does it matter that people aren't dying? Like, is it a short enough period of time where you'd be like, where, you know, they report it as a statistic where it'd be like, no, you know, nobody died this week, which is an anomaly. Nobody's died anywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But, okay, right, right. But I think obviously it's 98. The internet isn't as like, I think it would, no, 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 I'm being serious. I think it would be a thing where you might read about it in the times. Like, oh, there were no murders in Manhattan well, this week. Yeah. But I mean, and then years later, people would be like, you know, that weird week. You remember that week where nobody, nobody died, died anywhere? But I but we it, I like this movie better take place in a week because yeah it's that's insane like right if it were right. any longer it'd be insane <laughs> one other quick thing okay just a logistical housekeeping thing I the reason I have a problem with this movie it's not clear about its rules and I think for a movie like this that's very important so he uh, doesn't know what peanut butter is but he knows how the IRS works why. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a little nuts. There's it's a like, million things like that. Yeah, it's like... It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's I, like he doesn't no. know what peanut butter is, but he knows how to have sex. And he like, knows a language. Yeah, it's a little... So there are inconsistencies. Well, he doesn't... Whoa, 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 whoa. He doesn't know how to have sex. That's that whole scene is about that. He is like having yeah, sex okay. for the first time. That's the whole scene. That is that's wonderful. another... It's a, it's a wonderful scene. It's a great scene. And that's an... Yeah. Well, uh, to your point, another weird thing where it's like who's taking advantage of who because she's basically like taking his virginity yeah, yeah, in a weird way right and she also this taking is death and this virginity. is another thing to your point of like the humans in this movie not behaving like humans and i don't know if it's a writing thing or a performance thing or what but he like she has the, this line where she says you know it felt like i was making love to someone who had never made love before and what's a little weird is and not to get like too like down and dirty with it but they literally just finish having sex it's like they are like climax and then they're talking and it's like a weird thing because i'm like eh, there's no come down like there's no literal like the two of them being like that was something she immediately starts describing <laughs> their second well they just they she immediately starts describing that like yeah, I mean, their sexual yeah. moment right she's like that was great, and this is what it was like, and ha- and like she goes. But every right line, but so every bizarre. line is like that. Like, like there's a line, like there's a line, like the whole last fifteen minutes is the same conversation four times. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's insane. Yeah, it's right. Nuts. It, it's they nuts. literally have the same conversation four times. It is like how that happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, once again, for whatever reason, it strikes a chord with me. I think it's beautiful. Now. Spy game. Where'd you learn to shoot? That's what I mean. Boy Scout, sir. Are you kidding me? No, sir. So between, just quick context, between Micho Black and Spy Game, he has... Uh, Fight Club? Fight Club. Have you heard of Fight Club? No. <laughs> I have a poster of it on my wall. From well, the 10 second years ago. rule was that I'm not supposed to say <laughs> that I have. So, Fight Club, Snatch, The Mexican. Yeah, uh, all good movies. Yeah, all good. Right. All I mean, good. and I think well, the only reason I wanted to bring them up is I think um, Snatch. You finally does a good accent. Yeah, yeah, but almost because it's calculated it's to very be funny. A muddled. Very yeah, good performance. He's very good, and he's very good in Fight Club. And I, you know, I've had a, a Fight Club where he plays the id. Yeah, 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 and it's it. What, but what I like about the Fight Club performance. Uh, really quickly is we talked about the 12 monkeys performance and the fight club performance feels like a more refined, more controlled and calculated version. Well, for a more refined and controlled director, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Gilliam is a little bit more 
let's, let's throw paint on the wall, yeah, yeah, yeah. like let's have fun or whatever. And obviously Fincher, I, I don't, I don't know that there exists a more calculated sure. director. Right? And it's, but it's, it certainly shows. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's just an interesting, uh, it's worth noting mostly because I think that is the beginning. That yeah, Fight Club most, is the inflection point. Yeah, is that that's the beginning of great actor Brad Pitt, right? Like I think. Yeah, I think it's the beginning of the Brad Pitt that we know. I mean, it's right. been twenty years, yeah. right? And I think if Mitchell Black is kind of the end of oh, Brad Pitt kind of sucks. Right. Right. Exactly. Fight Club is like, oh, Brad Pitt's kind of cool. Yeah, it feels right? kind of like That's a middle the... finger a little bit. It's like, you know what, guys? Fine. Like, you, yeah. like, let me just do this. Right? And look, Fight Club famously, right, a little famously, uh, Fox movie, not a hit when it came out, made $37 million, cost more than that, but now is considered by every 19-year-old who's ever lived yeah. the best movie ever made, and... Anybody who's not 19, uh, still a very, very good movie, and yeah, yeah, it's not it's, meant to be a dick. It, it's it's yeah. a movie that speaks to a certain contingent, for better or worse, in a Wolf of Wall Street-y type of way, type of way yeah. but is also uh, very good yeah. and in a vacuum. And, and I think, good. you know, then he does Snatch, uh, supporting performance. Similar yeah. contingent of fandom. Sure. Yeah, 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 and it, it, so you know, maybe that's it. Maybe just if you're if you're 17, you, you watch those. You're like Brad Pitt's the greatest actor who's ever lived, or whatever. Now, the Mexican DreamWorks movie was going to be a small indie situation, right? Right, and then um, Julia Roberts wanted to be in it, or Brad, but one of them wanted to do it, and wh- and whoever wanted to do it got the other one, and yeah. all of a sudden it went from being a hey, ten million dollar little crime comedy to a um, I'm just looking it up. A you know, sixty million dollar Gore Verbinski um, uh, directed movie. J. H. Wyatt, or sorry, J. H. Wyman is the writer. Um, it's a good. It's a. Fun, it's a good, it's a good movie. It's a movie. lark. Yeah. Um, didn't really do amazingly well, given that it was Brad and Julia, Julia yeah. and only made 150 they have million. Excellent worldwide. chemistry, I think. Yeah, uh, the movie is, I think, in every way, underrated. Yeah. Um. There is an all-timer James Gandolfini performance in it. May he rest. He's great. May he rest. There is a. I think you know if there's a, if there's a if there's a movie that Pitt made in this time frame that feels like it belongs. If there's two movies he made in the period after Fight Club that feel like they may belong in the period before Fight Club, they are The Mexican and Troy. Oh, interesting. Though yeah. I do ride for both of those movies, yeah. you can you can see those performances living in a world pre Fight Club. What I think, so. and, and what I think, uh, Ridley Scott knew way back when with Thelma and Louise, and I think it took Brad Pitt and whoever else was managing his career a while to refigure out is that Brad Pitt is not sweet. And well, and I think Tony Scott, Ridley's brother, figured it no, out no, right. in Spy he's, Game. Yeah, he's not sweet, right. and. Uh, he might be kind of like, you know, it's, it's so, you know, you make the Keanu comparison before. And one of the things we said about Keanu is that. Eternal, well, they're very different actors. No, no, I more but, mean just what the perception was. No, no, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, but yeah. it's, I think it's important because I think Keanu is kind and that seeps through. Yes. And I think, uh, I think when they initially kind of both gave these like aloof performances, I think he up through meet Joe black was playing these kind of sweet yeah. performances. And I think as soon as he turned that off and was like, no, nah, let me be kind of you know, like, well, no, can I just, can I tell you what yeah. it is? He's weird. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, but yeah. like he, he is, you know, okay. The most beautiful person in the world, maybe, but also very weird. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. 
And so when you figure that alchemy out, right? Because in Spy Game, right, yeah. he's a little weird. And that the, the movie... It's subtle, right? Then more subtle than other performances, but the movie it, it helps the movie, right? Yeah. So basically, Spy Game. Um, this movie's great. Yeah, uh, I think it's Tony Scott's best movie. Um, another kind of floppy movie. He was making. He didn't really have a lot of straight up hits during this time period. It's kind of crazy when when you actually go back and look. It's kind of nuts, actually. Ocean's Eleven must have saved his kind of stardom. To yeah, think I about think it, so. it came out right after this. Um, literally came out like two weeks after this. Um, Spy Game comes out November 21st, 2001. Ocean's Eleven comes out December 7th, 2001. Not crazy. Spy Game, Robert Redford um, and Brad Pitt. Robert Redford is Nathan Muir. He is retiring from the Central Intelligence Agency on this day. And on this same day, a agent named Tom Bishop, played by Brad Pitt. Tom Bishop, great name. He is captured uh yeah. trying to infiltrate a Chinese prison to save someone who it is we, we don't know. He's caught and captured. And the mission he was on was not sanctioned. So the CIA, while Nathan Muir, Robert Redford, is making his way out, is actively trying to th- come up with a political reason to let Tom Bishop be killed by the Chinese and wash their hands of him yeah. because he was, you know, breaking protocol and trying to do this mission. What the mission is, we're not sure of. And Robert Redford makes it his final mission on his final day to save the life of Tom Bishop, who in flashbacks we learn was his protege. And, you know, uh, maybe one, one of a handful of people he actually cared about in his whole life yeah. as a CIA agent. Now, uh, Redford and Pitt had worked together before on A River Runs Through It where Robert Redford directed it and narrated it as an older version of Brad Brad Pitt, Pitt. but obviously was not physically in it. So this is their one and only movie together. And um, it is a great movie. Yeah, no, they have, they have wonderful chemistry. I think um, what I like a, a lot about this movie is it, I don't know how many other movies are actually quite like it. Um, I think I I just so love you know it's not quite a chamber piece because it uh, obviously it jumps through flashbacks and it you know you go to Vietnam and Beirut and uh, Berlin and uh, China yeah and, and to be clear things. it's set in in their present days like 1990 yeah. right and then the flashbacks are to Vietnam go to 75 it's like right because basically the idea years. is Redford during the war. You know, was was it was overseeing ops, you know, like yeah. guerrilla ops in Vietnam and what have you, and met a sniper who is Tom Bishop, who is Brad Pitt, and then after the war recruits him to join the CIA. Yeah. And then what happens is um Tom Bishop falls in love with a civilian played by Catherine McCormick. Um and, and that and yeah, and that love kind of informs the ultimate quote unquote mistakes that he'll make uh you know moving forward and the falling out that Redford and Bishop will have, right? Because the whole idea is they haven't talked in a long time. Yeah, yeah. And um this last act of, you know, uh heroism from Muir, uh Nathan Muir is, you know, the recon- you know, reconciliation yeah. of sorts. And it's a cool um Tony Scott had said of this movie, uh at least the Robert Redford half of this movie, that he uh he shot it like a poker game. Right, like in the whole thing being because uh, Redford's whole thing is that he's kind of running around Langley 
I believe it's supposed to be the CIA headquarters. In London, yeah, and right? he's being he's running around and being interviewed by like his superiors and his like, you know, and he's like doing like it's like old school espionage, yeah, right? Yeah. And the idea is like Stephen Delane is like. I believe it's Stephen Delane. He's yeah, of, he's of like Game of Thrones yeah, he's like smarmy guy trying to like get the better His of name this is guy. Charles Harker. Oh yeah, Harker. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. Um, I want one thing I wanted to say about this movie. Um, I always loved Roger Ebert's review of this movie. He gave it two and a half stars. So obviously we disagree on it, but I always love. I'm going to read uh, this one section because. It's funny because his criticism of this is one of my favorite parts of it, right? So here we go. Spy Game, directed by Tony Scott, is all style and surface, a slick artifact made of quick cutting and the kind of rough glamour you find in fashion ads. Ratatat datelines identify the times and and places. Now, basically, Ebert's opinion of the movie is that no shot lasts for more than a few seconds and that's a big problem with the the, movie the average shot length is like two and a half it's insane yeah and if you watch it it's crazy now here's the thing i think that's why the movie's amazing and i think it 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 introduces the most interesting part of tony scott's directing career may he rest because this is right before man on fire this is tony scott literally being like i'm taking the gloves all the way off I'm going to fuck with acid tone, like, yeah. you know, frames. I'm going to fuck with, it's one of those, you know, mo- I'm not only going to can't angles, I'm going to like turn angles around. I'm going to cut every two seconds. I'm going to like, the coverage is not I'm just going to be cut. Like there's a shot. He shoots. They're a on a roof. T- yeah, yeah. He shoots a two hander. With a helicopter. It's nuts. And, it's and it so, is one of the coolest. Yeah, it's great. Cut scenes I've it's ever so seen. Um, it has that amazing piece of music that you've heard in a million trailers, like darn, ticka, ticka, darn, I don't. I'm not trying to put it down by saying it's like a, a zippier, like John Lacare kind of thing, but I, I. Plot-wise, this movie feels a lot like, um, it came after the book, but before the movie, um, a lot like the Tom Hardy section of uh, Tinker Tailor. I suppose, I suppose. It's very similar. I love that movie. I think that movie's great. But I, like, I've talked to plenty of people who, you know, like family and stuff like that, that they're like, ah, it's so boring. And I would just, if like, if you watch something like Tinker Tailor and that's not the poison you want to pick, like, watch Spy Game. It's, yeah, it's and like, I think, a, well, it's got that... and. And like really good, like trade crafty kind of John Le Carre thing. Well, and like you with said, bef- Tony Scott's. Well, like-, like you said before, though, I think the brilliance of Spy Game is that it's there's no other spy movie that I don't I don't think there's any spy movie quite like it because you have your John Le Carre, right? You have your A Most Wanted Man. You yeah. have your Tinker Tailor Soldier spy um, that are more, you know. A little bit more existential spy sure. thrillers. They're not action movies. They're more like dramas. They're what slow have you. burns. Yeah. They're slow burns. Yeah. And then you have your Bournes and your Bonds, which are, and your Mission Impossibles, which are action movies. I mean, in different, you know, tones and chords and what have you, but they're action movies. This is neither. This is kind of both. And that's, I think, why it's the best. Yeah. No, it's, it's phenomenal. And I think what's really cool, um, what's, Really, and oh, I brought up the poker game thing before to kind of. They didn't have this in the movie at first, I suppose, uh, and they and Tony Scott wound up shooting it and cutting it in. 
Um, there are constant cuts back. Brad Pitt isn't in a ton of this movie, which is interesting. It's um, a Robert Redford movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but he's very good. And it, a lot of it cuts to him being tortured in China in just quick cuts of it. Right. And it's smart because the way Scott presents it is if the stuff with Stephen Delane and Robert Redford in Langley kind of having these table conference room talks is a poker game. It's the stakes constantly, right? With Brad Pitt, it's like it right. cuts to it, and you're just like, oh, like, this is what's yeah, like. You it never loses sight of his plight, even though he's not really in like sixty percent of the movie, and um, and I think it's really smart. I think it lends well, and it speaks to how important movie stars are. Yeah, for sure. Because if it's not Brad Pitt, you're not going to care about Tom Bishop. Yeah, of course. And so course. Tony Scott knows that, mm-hmm. and. And even if it's not Robert Redford, but like we said, Redford has a little bit more of a full um, character. But because it's Brad Pitt, we're like, oh, damn. Yeah. Come on, Bobby. Help no, us and out. It's, I think it's cool because it, it, I don't know, it just, there's the way, know, it's just really fucking good. Like it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, here's so, the deal. You know, if I've watched Meet Joe Black 25 times, I've watched this 30, right? Like no, it's, these it's a, are the yeah. two. I mean, this is crazy to say, I guess, I, whatever, but it is what it is. These are probably the two rap hit movies I've watched the most. And I've been so excited. Have you really watched these movies more than you've watched like Ocean's Eleven? I just out well, of like Well, yeah. Ocean's Eleven would be maybe right up there, right? And then, you know, um, in truth, I don't think I've seen Fight Club in years just because. That's a movie I think I watch like every five years. Right. And only if only just to like I watch it, I'm like, oh no, but it's good. But you're right. Ocean's um, it's Eleven. On TV and, all Ocean's time. Eleven and Ocean's Twelve, I've seen a, a lot of times. Um, um, and actually, I've seen Legends of the Fall. I, I think that movie's a, a bit underrated, <laughs> yeah. Funny. That also has a James Horner score that is just I'm heavenly. Sure. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, look, if this, pod, if this podcast make, make, makes you watch Spy Game, that we've done our job. Yeah, Honestly, no, like this is less of a B-side episode and more of a go watch these, go watch <laughs> yeah. these two movies, especially Spy Game, right? I've already said my piece with Micho Black. That's more of a, of a trek. Um, and... I would not promise. I would not promise you, uh, you dear listener, that um, you're going to come away agreeing with me. Right. But I would say fairly confidently, most people, if they sit down and watch Spy Game, are going to walk away thinking, "Wow, that was pretty good." Like, even if you're not saying what I'm saying, which is like it's my favorite espionage movie, you're going to say there's a lot there. The way it calcifies it, where it's it's about these two men, right? It's like. Yeah. One man is rigid, agent, doesn't give a shit about anything, and one man who, who, you know, uh, Redford's character knows that Pitt's character can be a great spy, but also fears his heart. Right. And the fact that it, it the, the fact that Redford ultimately is the one who bends because he cares about Tom Bishop. I just love, yeah. you know, I love that. No, and it's, I think it's a really, I think Redford's the perfect actor for the outside of the Brad Pitt, Robert Redford thing, like ignoring that thing. Um, Redford's, I think the perfect actor for that because there is, you know, uh, Tony Scott also called this movie, like a, he, he meant to make it as a companion piece to um, Three Days of the Condor, which feels. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. But, but like you watch it and it, it makes a lot of yeah. sense. Um, I don't think he men- means that in a way where this is like where the Redford we're looking at is the no, 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 not no. in that way. But it is kind of interesting because 
you know, it's a, it is a sort of a similar performance in that if you look at Redford and Three Days of the Condor, there's a coldness well, to like. I would argue, I think Redford and Condor is what kind of the pit in Spy Game. But I think he lean. I guess what I was saying is he he like leans into. Like I just got to do this because I got to live, right? And I got right, to survive. Right. survival, right, yeah. right, right. And uh, and and Nathan Muir uh, seemingly would agree with all of that, right? Is like, no, yeah, just yeah, like, tie up Faye Dunaway because you need to because you need to right, 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 survive, right, 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 like right, right. And um, and it's great. He there is a really good. I do want to give a quick shout out shout out to Charlotte Rampling. She has a really oh yeah great, that scene. Yeah, it's one, one great quick, scene. Quick scene, really great. It's like a little tit for tat with Robert Redford, where there's seemingly two sides of the same coin. Like they're in Berlin, and uh, Tom Bishop, Brad Pitt, is trying to get a guy across, basically, and Rampling in real time is at this party with uh with redford and essentially says to him and you see you know it's like a nice thing because they it's a great tight little moment it's so well directed it's so well acted because immediately you're like oh these people have history without ever having to say what it is or even like you know what i mean you get the idea that they've you know either had some form of a mutually beneficial relationship with tradecraft you know kind of thing or uh, or have danced around it or whatever. It's a nice, great little scene, and I want to give it a shout-out. Because I was watching it last night, and it's it's cross-cut with Brad Pitt trying to get this dude across, and in real time, Redford realizing that he, because he, she knows, they know, and he can't do it. And then Brad Pitt has to make this sort of terrible decision whether right. or not to do it. And it's... Uh, Very effective. It's like, yeah, it's great. So how about this? Both of these movies were produced by Universal. Mm-hmm. Both were released in November of the year they came out, so they're basically three years apart from each other. And both were flops. Guess how much Spy Game cost? Do you know? You crushed it before. You got 90 on the button. Can you do it again? I don't think so, but I'll give I'm you a hint. Say, I'll give hang you on. Hint. No, hang on. I'll give you a hint. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's, it's more. It costs more than I'm Mitchell going Black. to say that this movie cost $147 million. No, it made 147 So Fuck. maybe that's what you're thinking. Yeah, I was worldwide. looking at it last night. Ah. But it but it cost $115 million, Shit. which is crazy. And weirdly, isn't this also weird? Micho Black made 143 million worldwide. That's Spy his Game that made. His number, then? Spy Game made. I think. I like. I just like you just said. I think 100. Yeah. <gasps> no, they both made 143 million dollars worldwide. Universal. Both two Bradley yes. Pitt flops within three years came out the same and time. What I th- what Isn't I th- it amazing? Can you do me a quick fair? Can you That's look up? Can you look up how much The Born Identity made? Well, The Born Identity didn't cost as much. Right. The thing with the Born Identity was that even though they did reshoots, because that was also Universal, even with and the same like two months, right? Within like two months. Of no, months. it came out. No, no, no. It came out in the Born Identity came out in the summer. But I think the they were more bullish on Spy Game, and then the Born Identity was hit because the Born Identity cost sixty million, hmm. though maybe a lit a scotch more with some of the reshoots. I don't know if that's reported or not, and it made one hundred twenty one million. Hmm. And then worldwide, it made two hundred and fourteen million right. total, and it was a surprise because if you remember, Born Identity came out like the week or two weeks before Minority Report, right? And Born Identity, those two, yeah, 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 Born Identity kind of overperformed, and Minority Report, though it did well, underperformed, right? So it was Steven Spielberg, and yeah, it was supposed to be the biggest movie ever, and instead was like only a, a modest hit, right? Um, so, but I'll say this: Tony Scott, like we said, 
this is the beginning. I think the most interesting period of him of his career as a director. After this, just so we can celebrate it, you're gonna have in 03 a little movie called Man on Fire, which we briefly mentioned in our Denzel Washington episode. Uh, I think I think the world kind of uh, now realizes that I love is that basically movie. a great movie. Yeah, it's great. Spy Game 01, Man. I'm sorry, Man on Fire 04. Apologies. Spy Game 01, Man on Fire 04, Domino. 2005, a miracle to, of a movie. Maybe we'll find a way to talk Which about it. If I can just, if I can, we have a one-off all Kira about Knightley Domino. B-side or something. I do want to do the Lucy Liu B-side. I mentioned that in one of my episodes. Oh, we can. Yeah. Uh, that would be a perfect one. Yeah. Deja Vu, uh, Denzel, a very good movie. Uh, Taking a poem, one, two, three. We don't talk about that here, no. okay? We, it didn't happen. La, 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 la. And then, right before his death, Unstoppable. So here's... Chris, Christopher Pine and Denny Denizel... Washington. Here's something I thought about actually. Um, so Tony Scott is maybe responsible, you know, maybe not single-handedly, but certainly had a very deft hand in creating uh, one of the two biggest movie stars of all time with Denzel Washington and Tom Cruise. Right. And uh, I think Rec Top Gun. Right. I right, right, think right, right. was gonna do that with with like in you know in theory was gonna do that with Brad Pitt. Right. It. I think it's a little different, right? Because Brad Pitt was kind of already a movie star. Yeah, totally. Uh, so it doesn't. It's not quite the same thing. But I do think this does cap off the inflection point of his career. Um, to to kind of to your point, I think. Fully. Well, and now we're in a period as we record in 2019. We're in a period where um, he. I mean, Brad Pitt, though he still leads movies, is making more interesting movies and has become kind of the character actory leading yeah, man sure. that we all kind of I think somewhat realized he was going to be. Yeah. Um, whereas a Tom Cruise, right, uh, up here is not doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, I, and, I and, think, neither, and nor is Denzel. And so, I, I think what's know. what's interesting is... Um, Brad Pitt, a very uh, capable producer, right? His, yeah, one, yeah. his only Oscar was for producing 12 Years, 12 Years Life. a Slave. Uh, and I think what's interesting too, I mean, you mentioned he's very, he's like similar to Michael Douglas in that regard. Well, because Michael um, Douglas won his first Oscar for One Flew Over the, the Cuckoo's, the cuckoo's yeah. Nest. And I think... Um, I, I think Brad Pitt will still win an acting Oscar. I think, it, yeah. I mean, who knows? I you sure it'll 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 happen. I mean, I think what's fascinating about where he is now, and I think he doesn't quite get enough credit for, um, is, uh, you know, I I look at a performance like Moneyball, which he was nominated for, right? Great, and like should have won for because I think that's the kind of performance that's way harder than a than lot it of, seems. than a lot of people get totally. for especially when you look at Brad Pitt as the guy in 12 monkeys and fight club totally. in snatch right it, uh, in and then in glorious bastards right giving these very broad uh performances um to then just play a n- normal guy right uh, and with just, quirks right yeah quirks but but still stuff, but yeah. still crush it uh i think is is super commendable that said i mean i don't know He's so good. Also, quick shout out to a, a bit, very popular movie at the film stage, uh, The Assassination of Jesse James. Of course. Probably the best performances of, of his career. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. Yeah. That movie, if you have not seen it, you know. is a masterpiece. Um, it's very, it's great. Uh, he's yeah. also very good in Andrew Dominic's follow up to that movie. Yeah, Killing, killing Them Zem Softly. softly yeah. Another movie that I don't think gets enough credit. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's. I think like any good movie star that's still around, um, he 
for better or worse, always has and will continue to make, I think, very interesting choices. Yeah, he makes um, a lot of idios- idiosyncratic choices. I mean, a lot of people had a problem with his War Machine performance. I found I liked that movie a bit more than most people, but um, I'll say this about as we move into what he has coming up. He's in a rare case where I'm the thing he actually has next yeah. is the thing I, I'm most excited for, mm-hmm. which is Ad Astra, which is his uh, James, James Gray, Gray science fiction movie. And he almost, because he kind of just missed James Gray, right? They well, were, they have been working together and he's produced stuff of James Gray's, but he was supposed to be in Lost City of Z. Z right. And then it obviously went another way. Mm-hmm. And then even, I think, uh, another project. So this is, or the or no, I'm thinking of The Fountain, which is Darren Aronofsky, but um, they're finally, and the movie's in post-production, so it's coming out, I believe, spring of, yeah. of 2019. And that is with Tommy Lee Jones, right? Yeah, and I think uh, it's a few people, yeah. right? And it's a it's a, uh, it's a a space movie, yeah, exactly. so I'm very um, excited for that. No, that'll be cool. It's kind of funny, because I, you know... In terms oh, and the like, fucking Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. Yeah, so well, his next two are, are I'll always be a excited. little sour that he's in them. I mean, I, I look, I think he's very great. Him and Leo work better and than that, Tom no, Cruise would have worked no, with and either I, of and them. And the two of them doing a movie together, I think, is going to yeah. be phenomenal, and I'm really excited about it. It just that. more makes me sad that Tom Cruise couldn't get in there. And didn't take the role of the aging stuntman. Like, I think that would have... Yeah. You know, that just would have been perfect. But yeah, so. we, we don't need to talk about Tom Cruise for the 90th time on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, um, hey, we are, who, we are who we are. That's a good point. Um... Yeah, I don't know what, you know, outside of Ad Astra. Well, I don't know. I mean, that, literally, like, those are there's, the movies so he has. nothing he well, hasn't yeah. done that you're well, like, no, no, no. I would but, love but this is that. my point, though. I, credit, credit to Brad Pitt, right? This is kind of what I'm saying. He has continued to grow where, you know, he hasn't, you know, Plan B, his company um, made or helped make, helped fund uh, if Beale Street could talk, they help fund Moonlight. He, like we said, won his Oscar for 12 Years a Slave. He has become a producer powerhouse in his own right. I love oh, that. Oh, to be clear, his he it's a producing, a Best Picture Oscar for 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he was also in it. He did not. Right, but did not get nominated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, he, uh, yeah. So everything he does at this moment, at least, is stuff that I so appreciate. And I think I couldn't even really think of something... You know, I mean, I suppose it would be cool to see him in another type of kind of, you know, obviously the spy game. He did Mr. And Mrs. Smith after spy game. Mr. And Mrs. Smith is more of a, a traditional action movie. So something a little bit more cerebral in that's a, a spy gamey would be nice. But I don't know, because I'm excited for these different things. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? I think. Yeah. No, 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 that's a good point. And I was actually just going to say, like, I don't. Uh, I think he's also one of the few people who still tries to make kind of like big uh, over the course of his career. I think he's had a couple moments where he's tried to kind of resurrect the big sweeping Hollywood movie. I think Troy is one of those moments. I think, um, and I, I think Allied gets a lot of shit that it doesn't deserve. Love Allied. Uh, I I think it's a really good movie and I think he is one of the best parts about it. I think they have great. Yeah. That movie will get the credit it serves. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think as we, as we, uh, dig through the rubble of welcome to Marwin. Yeah. Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. I mean, I think his post flight career has been tough. Yeah. I think there are people who, I would still regardless, uh, stand for, uh, for, uh, Zemeckis. And I think some of us who do that are love at love allied. Um, that said, I don't know. I would love to, see him do something uh, i don't know yeah i mean that's a really good point he's done that's what i mean yeah I no but know. it's good i mean the credit to him like you know we talk about all these movie stars and their b-sides and he's got a million i mean he's got a million b-sides yeah. but he's been in a, 
a lot of different interesting things. And even if his range Tree of life, he's great in. Yeah, yeah even if his cool. range isn't as rangy as other movie stars, he he makes up for it and then some with his with his interesting choices. So I just hope we keep getting him. I mean, he's young. I mean, you know, yeah. he's not. You know, God willing. <laughs> We get another yeah, 30 years. It's funny because so. it's it's also, I mean, yeah, he has already covered that ground that, you know, some other act, act movie stars haven't yet where it's like they get to play the the old guy role or the whatever. And he's like already covered some of yeah. those, right? Like uh, it's, I, I, I would wonder maybe. He covered it all in one movie, dude. Curious Case of Benjamin Button. <laughs> good, What's up, baby? It's a good point. I'm surprised we actually didn't bring that up sooner with, I, with I ride. Very, I ride for Benjamin Button. I, I, know people, I prefer Benjamin Button to meet Joe Black. They're I, very similar movies. They're very similar yeah. movies. I, I like them both. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks go watch all. Spy Game. And if you got the stones, go watch Meet Joe Black. Thank you for listening. Godspeed.